A superhero and his sidekick weave a tale of intrigue using as few takes as possible and try to hide the cuts. It can only be episode 56 of Have You Seen? Hello internet friends, this is indeed episode 56 of Have You Seen? I am Kieran Sky High Lefort, and that would be Tom Rope Webb at the other end of the table. Hello. Uh, we come to you once again from the brand new Upbeat Podcast Bunker. Yep. Uh, we have new dangly equipment, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you might want to elaborate on that. No, no, not really. <laughs> okay, fine. No, uh, Tom and I have dangly equipment. It's new, <laughs> it's shiny. Uh, and it's pointing towards our mouths. Uh, I've got my. Let me. Let me take, I'm going to take a picture with the iPad while I think about it. All right. And uh, uh, I don't know what I just did. <laughs> God, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find. There we go. Yeah, I don't know why I decided to do that. In no, I don't know either. <laughs> it just struck me. It's not even a good picture. No, well, we can take a good one. Yeah. All right. Um, should we, we talk about some films? No, that, no, know? I don't think so. I think we talk about our dangly equipment some more. <laughs> right. um, yeah, we watched Sky High and Rope. Yeah. Uh, so a Disney live action kids superhero film mm-hmm. and a Hitchcock classic. Yeah. Um, what do you want to do? Chronological order? Yeah, why not? Um, I have the rope notes open in front Okey-dokey. of me so we can dive in there. Yeah, I give us a little uh, rope recap. Okay, so um, Rope was uh, based on a stage play. Uh, and the story is essentially two young men murder their classmate, hide his body in a trunk in their flat, and then host a dinner party. And the guests include their classmates' parents, girlfriend, uh, aunt, and a lecturer that taught them all at, at college, um, and another guy as well, Kenneth, who mm-hmm. kind of turns up, who's, in, who's kind of a love rival, as it were. Um Yes, it's all New York high society. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, this was Hitchcock's first color movie, um, and it also stands out in the fact that it was done in ten long takes. Um, the original uh, stage play was staged in such a way that the trunk was always visible, um, and Hitchcock decided rather than do that, he would he would just incorporate really long takes to kind of use that to build the tension as to whether the 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 body would ever be revealed or not. Um, it's worth pointing out that the guy that wrote the screenplay had a very different idea uh, mm. of the film and didn't want Hitchcock to show the murder at the beginning because he wanted the suspense to come from the fact that did you did they do it or didn't they? Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure would be as... No, I don't think that would have worked. I don't think it would have worked. But Hitchcock was like, if you show them murdering that person, you set them up as, or particularly Brandon, as a ruthless character. Yeah. And then you see them smarm their way around high society whilst one's getting quite nervy, the other one's really confident, and you know yeah, I think, that at any minute they could get caught. Yeah, I think I think will they be found out is a much better way to go than did they do, do it. it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, that, that's basically it. I mean, I think what I like about it is the, the sort of technical aspects of it. We spoke about it a bit last week. Yeah. It, you know, they had this huge camera on a dolly uh, that was, you know, every shot came from that camera. The takes were, in fact, I've even got a breakdown of ha- how long each take is. I I looked online. I saw that. Yeah, as well, yeah. Um. So it's, I think, I don't know. It's just very, very clever. There's lots of moving scenery and cutaway scenery and very clever positioning mm. and repositioning in the middle of a take of yes. furniture um, to get 
what feel like different camera angles, but they're they're not really. Mm. Um, so there's some really clever stuff going on. Um, so yeah, I just that that was kind of one of my main reasons for pitching mm. it, because it's one of Hitchcock's more creative technical mm. films than than necessarily. Even though it's very suspenseful, I mm. think it's you know it's it's uh, it, its merits are mainly down to its technical side. Uh, what did you think anyway? Uh, I loved it. Really? Uh, not just the technical side. I love the whole thing. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm really um, pleased. I was a little uh, unsure at the beginning because the dialogue towards the beginning is very exposition heavy. Yeah. In a very, in that particular 30s and 40s kind of way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, kind of quite unsophisticated in that fashion. But once I kind of got all that stuff out of the way yeah, and the characters were kind of just allowed to be. Absolutely, um, yeah. And you've got used to the technique. Yes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, excellent. excellent. Hitchcock managed to turn um, an edit into a thrilling special effect. Yes. And I don't mean the hidden cuts, because there, no. are, there are some visible cuts yeah, as well. I are, counted yeah. four visible yes. cuts. Yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah, they almost become... I was almost... In anticipation of those themselves, I was waiting for those. Wondering right. when is that going to come? Cause yeah, surely he can't keep going with this. When when we, when are we going to get the next cut? When are we going to? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I just I really enjoyed it. Awesome. That's um, I'm really pleased. I really liked. Um, I like the plotting. Yeah, I like the intricacy of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the. Um, I like the technique. I like the audacity of trying to pull off a gimmick like that. Yeah. Um, I like James Stewart. Mm-hmm. I think I think the dialogue really comes alive when he comes into it. Yeah, I was reading that he considers it to be his lesser... Yeah. Um, his least favourite. His least favourite collaboration with Hitchcock. Yeah. But I think that's, that's actor's ego talking because he's not in it for the first third. Yes, that's what I think as well. Yeah. But, you know, because I think he's, he's, I think the quote I saw was he said he was miscast and I don't think he was no, at, not all. at all. I think he was brilliant in it. No, I thought he was really good. I like I um, liked his kind of, I liked his kind of charming silver fox character. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you see, I would have thought that he would have, he, he calls it his, like, his least favourite collaboration with Hitchcock, but I yeah. thought he would have loved it because... He's the smart guy. He's the one who figures yes. it all out. Yeah, and that 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 appeals to an actor's ego. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found myself really liking Janet, the young woman. Yes. And because she's a very strong female. For character. 1948, she's intelligent. She's yeah. sassy. She's conflicted. Yeah. Um, yeah. She she's has, not your standard yeah. kind of cookie cutter yeah, very, 40s female. No, very rare for the age and very yeah. well done. I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought she was great. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the things I kind of mentioned before, I love the scene where she, uh, the aunt, and James Stewart are talking about film stars. That's right. And it's all Stewart's contemporaries. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a bit where she's saying, oh, I really want to see that thing, something, something. Or is it just something? something. Yeah. And that something is notorious which yes. was Hitchcock's other movie that was coming out around the same time yeah. Cary Grant and uh, Ingrid Bergman yeah um, and I, I just love the fact that even then Hitchcock's plugging one of his own movies yeah. in his film without, without giving without it away. Doing so. yeah. but you know what it is yeah uh, so I thought that was really really fun and that you can see that in that little scene there's there's a there's a real twinkle in James Stewart's eye as mm. they're doing that scene and I think it plays out really nicely and I, that's when you get that kind of West Wing style dialogue. Yeah. Where you know there's exposition coming around it 
and you know that the reason yeah. that scene is so tense is because although they're, they're at that moment they're having a quite frivolous conversation, mm. yet they're doing it over the trunk with a dead body in it. Yeah. So there, there's lots of things like that that I thought was yeah, really well, nice. No, I, I talked about kind of like the heavy exposition, but yeah. in and around that, the delivery is still quite modern. The delivery is mm. the kind of delivery you'd see in today's films with people just kind of talking over each other. There's one bit where mm. guests are starting to come in and there's two conversations going on at exactly the yeah. same time. Yeah. Um, much as they much as they would do if yes, when, when yeah. two pairs of people are kind of talking to each other. Um, yeah. The first thing that struck me actually was, uh, did you catch the name of who did the adaptation? Before it before it was refined into the screenplay, uh, I I can't remember it off the top. Hume of my head. Cronin, yes, that's right. Who yeah, you yeah. may know as one of the old guys from Cocoon. Oh right, uh, a husband of Jessica Tandy, ah. uh, and the old guy in Batteries Not Included. Really? Okay, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't realise that was him. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, that's brilliant. What did I put? What have I got here? Um, what did I really like? Uh, the shot with the swinging door and the rope yes. being dropped into the. Um, How perfect is that, that timing? Just a brilliant piece of timing. It's oh, and and that comes either at the end or the middle of one of the long takes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's right in the middle. I, th- of it. I think it comes in the sec. Maybe it comes in the fir- at the end of the first one actually. Because okay, so I- I've got the, sh- the the timings of the shots. Mm. So shot one is nine minutes thirty four. Shot two is seven minutes fifty one. Shot three is seven minutes eighteen. Shot four is seven minutes and nine seconds. Uh, shot five is nine minutes fifty nine. Shot eight. Uh, shot six is eight minutes thirty five. Shot seven is seven minutes fifty. Shot eight is the longest, and that's ten minutes and eight sec. Uh, ten minutes and six seconds. Uh, shot four. Uh, shot nine is the shortest at four minutes thirty seven. Um, and then shot 10 is 5 minutes 40. Mm. And I think that that happens just at the end of the first shot or just away, halfway into yeah, the second. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, there are some beautiful... There are moments that occur and you know that that was the key thing. If that... Like, it was the, the most thing prone to go wrong. Yeah. If it went wrong, they'd have to start all over again. Yeah. And you'd normally think you'd stick those at the beginning if you I know could. something like the, the last... Four segments, I think, were right. reshot. They were, yeah, because of the yeah. colour of the sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I did wonder. I was wondering throughout most of it if we were ever going to get to see the third and fourth walls of the apartment. Right, and no. you do. You get to oh, about yeah. forty-five minutes in, and you yeah. finally get to see just like in a corner when I think it's James Stewart talking to the housekeeper. I think right when she's kind of like just talking to him about her suspicions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just written down a whole load of stuff I like again, really. Well, that's good. Um, I like the metronome interrogation scene where, um, what's his name? Not Brandon, the other fella. Oh, uh, um, Philip. Philip, yeah. yeah yes, the, that's the, right, the, yeah. The kind of the nervous accomplice is yeah. playing the piano. Yeah. And um, Stuart goes over to uh, kind of. Soften him up pro- a bit, pro- kind of, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, and just kind of freaks him out with the metronome, yeah, and get kind of get gets him to crack. I yeah. thought that scene was really good. Um, yeah. uh, I also really like the camera reenacting and illustrating yes. James Stewart's theory as he's discussing it. Yeah, and that's what he talks about. I love, yeah, what I would have done is I would have grabbed him here and the camera goes over to where he said and then I would have knocked him out and dragged him over to this part yeah. but then so and so would have to go over here and get it and that was yeah. really clever well that, that's one of the bits I'm talking about so there's a bit in that shot you see kind of a, a widest shot mm. of, of the uh, apartment and James Stewart is standing next to a chair which we see 
is facing up, facing the camera, mm. but it's at a slight angle. Mm. And he says, oh, I would have walked in from the door or something like that. Mm. So it goes over and you see the floor near the door. And he said, and then he kind of says, and I would have brought him over here so he was standing near the chair, and I would be behind it or mm. something like that. Uh, so it tracks back to where you're behind the chair. Now the only way they could have got that shot is if they've actually just turned the chair around, yeah. and then when the camera moves away, they just turn it back again. Yeah. And it's tiny little things like that yeah. that just really sell the fact that the camera seems to be floating around yeah. when it couldn't. Yeah. You know, now they could easily do it on a, with a camera on a on a rig. On a rig yeah, yeah. But uh, you know you. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be interesting to see if you could, you could uh, remake this movie just with a camera on a crane. Well, I uh, in, in, in a four-sided like room. How far ahead of its time it is in terms of that technique? Yeah. And imagine how much slicker it would have been with a Steadicam and/or the advent of a digital stock. Yes. So Hitchcock wasn't working within the um, the confines of, of of a four hundred foot film mag. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess now you could do the whole movie in one take. Yeah. Yeah, there has been a film recent. There's a horror film recently that kind of used that as a gimmick, and they, although yeah. they cheated, yes, um, as Rope does, yeah. but digitally, yeah, um, yeah. There's been a few films that have have, have kind of done it, but no one's really. Mm. I don't. Uh, as far as I'm aware, no one's genuinely done it. Mm. I still think people have stitched a few takes together. Yeah, um, I might. I might be completely wrong. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've got. Some character things and just like some things from the from the time. It's like, should, why were they drinking champagne out of a martini glass? I'm not a big drinker, but I know you don't do that. Uh, actually, there are two types of champagne glasses. Oh, are there? Yeah, there's champagne mm. champagne flutes, which are the tall ones, which yes. you're thinking of, and then there are there are ones that look like martini glasses, but they're actually slightly they're kind of curved. oh, I see. So a martini a martini glass is a straight. Yeah, like a so if you look at it side on, it looks like a upside down triangle. Yeah, uh, but a martini glass, it kind of it curves and yeah. more like a I don't know I don't know how you describe it really. Um, yeah, it's kind of more it's yeah. curved. Hmm. Did he do me justice? Do you deserve justice? <laughs> yeah. James Stewart was there. There's some there's some great little quotes in this film actually. Yeah, it makes there, everything just ginger peachy. <laughs> there there were some really nice. I think James Stewart. He he's almost a personification of Hitchcock in it because he comes across of this very mischievous character with a very dark sense of humour who likes to antagonise people, which is yes. where this theory of killing off the underclasses has come from. It, it's a way for him to push high society and and tease them and make fun of yeah. them without them realising yeah. it. And then these two lads have, have really genuinely Just, taking yeah. it too far it's it's the extreme example of getting the wrong end of the stick exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and and i think hitchcock was probably very much like that himself i mean he's well documented for having a very dark and somber sense of humor and, yeah. uh, and I, I think you know stuart was probably channeling him a little bit yeah um yeah overall i i absolutely loved it i'm trying to decide if this awesome. or 39 steps are my favorite of the hitchcocks we've done so far okay that's um, interesting they've uh, at the moment i'm saying this because it's the one i've watched most recently me. okay that, well that's good because i i do genuinely love both of those hitchcocks mm. um another one which i really love which will come along at some point is north by northwest yes um i'm trying to think there's a few others as well actually because um, we've only done those two the lady vanishes and psycho haven't we yeah yeah, I think it's just just the four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're cracking through the major ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trevor Flattery on Facebook uh-huh. says, "Gotta say, Rope is one of my personal favourites. Hitch mm. packed as much homosexual subtext into it as he could, given the strict production codes." Oh, men- mentioning that, it actually got banned in a lot of US cities. 
Oh, really? Because of the homosexual undertones. Mm. Um, uh, so it, got, it, is, it is a bit suspect, these, these two young, handsome bachelors living together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it got um, it got a kind of slightly imposed limited release because of that. Mm. Um, Trevor also says, I also love how he made the sunset slower in the background to give his 88-minute film the feel of a two-hour dinner party, the brilliant son of a bitch. Yes, well, that was something I was reading was that they think the timeline for this evening mm. is really around the 100-minute mark, yeah. but it's, it's pulled into 80 minutes just yeah. to kind of keep the pace up um, by kind of, you know, quite cranking up the speed of the sunset and that kind of stuff yeah. so yeah it's um it was yeah. only towards the end that i'd noticed that the sun had actually it's set outside yeah. the uh outside the window even though they do make a play at the beginning of it being broad daylight outside like they yeah they kill the guy with the curtains closed yes but uh, then they open them up and it's they open daylight. them up and uh and uh brandon says you know well, we we could have just done this in broad daylight yeah or worse to that effect yeah and that's the, kind of how the piece of rope gets illuminated Mm. to start with there's a um there's actually a scene on a park bench i can't remember i think it might be brandon and judith no i think it's it's janet the girl janet sorry. and uh the guy who gets killed Dave, that's right yes and that becomes um that, they use that, that for the trailer, trailer. Yeah, yeah that's right and that was originally supposed to be the beginning of the movie but they chopped yeah. it if you remember no wait hang on firstly i have two alternative titles Right. Uh, in Austria and Italy, it was Cocktail for a Corpse. Oh, that's an awesome title. Yeah. Uh, and in Argentina and Brazil, they called it Diabolical Feast. <laughs> that's okay. Which, that's a bit. That's got cannibalistic undertones. It does. Yes, it does. But I like the other one. Yeah, Cocktail for a Corpse, corpse. is good. Yeah. Um, do you remember, way, way back on this podcast, yeah. I used to find, we went through a whole series of uh, reviews done by a strange French academic Oh, the guy that, that, yeah, I remember you reading the Casablanca one. Yeah. 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 He's done one for Rope. Oh, amazing. He liked it. Five stars. I'm okay. going to read it. It's quite long. All right. Um, I'm going to take a deep breath and a glass of water. Okay. Are you going to attempt the accent again or are you, you going to... Fuck no. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had one of yeah. these, actually. Yeah. Um, okay. Hitchcock is settling accounts with the United States in 1948. With the social Darwinism that has always been rampant and in some period triumphant in the USA. Fundamentally, it is the idea that only good human beings, honest human beings, succeed in society because they are chosen by God, hence they are superior in ethical values. In this film, there is no mention of God, right through to the final three minutes, but one young man decides to get rid of another young man for reasons we do not know. But as the result of a reasoning that states that superior people have the right to kill inferior people, it is in fact the good old idea. The... <sighs> Almost. Stupid Frenchie. <laughs> it is, in fact, the good old ideology that excuses the master of a slave when he kills his slave because the slave is an inferior being. In 1948, the slave masters are the rich, and that young rich man believes that he can kill another he considers inferior, except that he does it out of some challenge to provoke his own society. The killed young man is a member of that top society, and the killer and his associate, his accomplice, throw a party just after killing the other and hiding him in a chest that is going to be used as the table for the buffet. Hitchcock finds it extremely funny to play on words and to create situations that become quid, quo, quid pro quos for us. But he also brings in an old teacher of these young men who had philosophically taught them that the superior people have the right to dominate, in a way or another, the inferior people in our society. I've had to split this up into paragraphs because yeah. this is one big chunk of text <laughs> right, when okay. I found it. Bringing this man in this party was the supreme achievement and the supreme danger, for the killer knows... I hate this man. For the killer, 
All right, bringing this man in this party was, supre- was the supreme achievement and the supreme danger for the killer because he is known as a dubitative and curious and scrutinizing and inquisitive mind that can read between lines and find out the truth even where it is not present. Okay. <laughs> he is a conjurer of the truth. He has, helped to, he has helped in doing that in that mission of his by the maid who gives him the hat of the dead boy when he is on the point of going instead of his own. Never ask this man to do a plot synopsis. <laughs> I know. Then he will come back and confront the two killers and find out what they have done and manage to bring the police for the punishment of these two indecent beings. But that's when Hitchcock twists the story into the harshest accusation he could invent with this simple question. Do you think you were God to decide who is superior and who was inferior? The twist is with... (laughs) Oh, God, I'm tired. (laughs) The twist is within a good Protestant approach. If one really knows who is inferior, they would, in that reasoning, have have the right to kill the inferior ones. The Catholic approach of the problem sa- that says that no one has the right to take a life because that life was given by God and God is the only one who can take it away or back is not even hinted at, which justifies the then conclusion from that teacher that society was going to make these killers pay for their crime in some kind of balanced declaration that implies one eye for one eye and one hand for one hand and one tooth for one tooth. Retaliation. <laughs> With That's the distance get- of time, oh, I'm not done. <laughs> it's because I was getting very deep into the I know. whole uh, religious side of things. I there. know. With the distance of time, the old film becomes a tremendous denunciation of killing other human beings, be it for some passion in the heart or mind of the murderer, or be it for some retaliation from the society against that murderer. If one crime is unjustified, the retaliation to that crime is just as much unjustified. Both have to be equal for the second to be the retaliation of the first since both are murders. <laughs> I'm starting to get really confused now. Yeah. <laughs> right, this is where it goes completely confused. The Britisher there was speaking in Hitchcock since Great Britain was going to be the first country in Europe to ban the death penalty in 1965. But that tradition of being ahead of others is an old habit in England who banned cruel punishments in its Bill of Rights in 1689. But End of review. Okay. I'm a bit confused about the whole... I think this man gets fucked out of his face on drugs, (laughs) writes a review in French, sticks it through Google Translate, posts it on Amazon, goes to bed. uh, It strikes me as the sort of arguments you'd hear in one of uh, James Stewart's lectures where they originally got the idea. Yeah, maybe. It's the students trying to outsmart the teacher being told, no, that's bollocks, you idiot. (laughs) Moving on to far less intellectual fare. Yes. uh, Sky High. Mm Mm-hmm. Apologies, mouth of the water after that. Is that Frenchman? Yeah, you need to you need to recap us. I do. Pot. Okay, I summed it up last week as it's Harry Potter, but with superheroes instead of wizards. Yep. Um, superhero kids go to a magic school that nobody else goes to. Mm-hmm. Not magic. Go to a school the the in the sky that nobody else goes to to learn and hone their superpowers. Mm-hmm. Will Stronghold is the son of the world's two greatest superheroes. Uh, they are the Commander played by um, Kurt Russell, and Jetstream, played by Kelly Preston. Mm-hmm. And by day, they are Steve and Josie Stronghold, who are um, real estate agents. Uh, Will sets off on his first day of superhero high school, and unfortunately, he's a dorky kid who hasn't demonstrated any superpowers at all, and he hasn't yet told his parents. Yeah. That's the basic setup, and then mm-hmm. there's a villain and yeah. all sorts of other lot um, business. And I like it because uh, it's colourful and fun and creative, the adult cast, I think, are really good. Mm. Um, I mentioned, uh, I think that um, Kurt Russell is brilliant, having yeah. a great time being as close to Superman as he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Linda Carter uh, as the principal, uh, Bruce Campbell as the PE teacher, 
uh, and Dave Foley as the mm-hmm. uh, teacher of hero support, yeah. the sidekick class. Yeah. Um, but that's enough of me babbling. Uh, I want to know what Tom thought of it. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it as well. I think, it, um, I think, like you say, it's a really good kind of solid, fun sort of family movie. I pitched it because we've had lots of kind of like. Lots of serious just, films. Yeah, we have. Lots yeah. of quite dark films and lots of factual stuff. We've yeah. done a whole lot of documentaries recently. We have, yeah. And I just kind of wanted to break a, break no, away absolutely. a little bit for something just fun and silly that yeah. I kind of just enjoy yeah. watching. Well, again, I did. It was one of those movies you you can just put it... it was a, it's a real perfect kind of Sunday afternoon movie. Absolutely. You, like. you can just put it on with anyone being around and, it, you know, you can just sit down and watch it and it's it's all great entertainment. I think I have to agree that the it's the adult cast that really make it. Yeah. Um Kurt Russell, you you're right, he's just having an absolute blast. Yeah. Uh particularly when he's I think when he's playing uh Steve Stronghold. Yes. Not when he's the like yes. he, he, I think he's loving playing the the guy hiding his identity yes. and not really he's, wanting he's to. He's a he's a man with a secret that he would dearly love yeah. to tell everybody. Absolutely, yeah. But it's just kind of holding it in. Yeah. yeah and uh, I think yeah, I think he um yeah, I love his his whole super dad bits. Yes, yeah, like the bits, yeah, the, there's bits where it looks like he's gonna uh, Will's done something wrong. Will discovers his power yeah, and like, he, accidentally rips the door off the hinges, and it seems like he's gonna get disciplined. Yeah, and you know, uh, Steve kind of just takes him away into their into their underground base and gives him a massive hug and promises him an Xbox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I loved all of that. I, I mean, being a massive Kids in the Hall fan, I, I loved. Not only is it Dave Foley in it, but mm. also Kevin McDonald who plays uh, Doctor Medulla, the mad scientist. Ah, the huge yes. Cranium. I did. I didn't mention the mad scientist last week. Yeah. I did. Lo- I love how he's um he's really bitter. Like he's he's <laughs> yeah. a defeated villain. I pictured him as like someone who'd yeah. been defeated by the commander of someone and kind of renounced his ways and still kind of felt it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And was resigned to being this high school science, mad yeah. science teacher. Yeah, you kind of get an inkling with that when um, Bruce Campbell's got a date with twins and he's trying to get yeah. someone to come along and he asks him and he's like, and he's like, do you want to come this Friday? So. And he said, "Did I mention one of them's an evil twin?" Yeah, this Friday you say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just things like that were really nice. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald have done similar kind of characters in Kids in the Hall. Okay. I I, I don't know why, but seeing Kevin McDonald with that huge cranium is really familiar. Okay. I kind of was like, I think he's done something like that before. Um, so yeah, I really, I, I particularly Dave Foley stuff. Mm. I thought it was really good fun. I love. I love the fact that when he's teaching him the stuff he's teaching them, so that like the uh, the sidekick grammar and sentence yes. structure, yeah. and uh, how to do a quick change. <laughs> oh, ho- ho- holy blank 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 man! man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's loads of stuff like that. I thought really good, like you know how all the functions on a utility belt. That's right. And the grappling that. hook training. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that kind um, of thing. So I thought that was all really fun. I think you can. I think actually, what lets it down a little bit is the fact that it. it I think. This was something that Disney were looking for to turn into a series. Uh, they absolutely were. Everybody who signed on to it, um, if it had be, been a hit, this was uh, squashed by Madagascar when it came out. Yeah, so um, that's, that's and the everybody thing. who signed on, their contracts were for also for extra merchandising and for a TV series. Yeah, or all the kid cast at least. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of at, at the point where you kind of felt that it was like. It's all, it almost felt like an hour and a half pilot 
where they suddenly found, oh, we've got a bit of extra cash here. We'll, let, let's make it into a full movie. Yeah, kind of. But not quite enough to really push it to what it could have been. Yeah. So it kind of ended up sort of mid-budget, I would imagine. And mm. I, which is a bit of a shame. It would have been nice if it had had a bit more I think this was 2005, and I think if it had been maybe two or three years later, once the Marvel films has kind of started coming and going, yeah. well, like post-Iron Man, yeah. I think this probably would have been given a bigger budget yeah, uh, and would have really... Um, Taken off a bit yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a shame that it, it didn't spawn that TV series or sequels. Yeah. Because um, it could... I mean, it could have been a really good kind of fun... fun uh, little series. Yeah. Um, let's try and see what else I've got in my notes. I didn't talk about last week the bit I don't like, right? which is kind of like the last 15 minutes or so when they actually have to have a plot. And it yeah. kind of turns into a silly kids film with the gun that regresses people back to babies. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it kind of becomes a bit of an episode of Power Rangers. Yeah, I, I think... Particularly when, once you see um, what I think, the outfit. The problem I the think with... Outfit. Yeah, the problem I think with that bit is that in the middle, it goes a bit too much teen high school drama. Yeah, and and I think if they threaded that plot, I mean there are hints at the plot throughout that mm. that section, but if they'd if they'd pulled some of it forward, if you like, and kind of I don't know made made it a bit more even, I don't think that would have come across as so weird at the end, like so silly yeah. at the end. Um, but no, I, I think uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I'm going to spoilers, uh, makes a really good villain. Yes. Um, surprisingly, and I and she's one of those people that I have no idea how old she is because everything I've seen her in, she looks exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, she is finally starting to look older. I think now, I think she is currently thirty four, maybe slightly. She she's roughly our age. I think she might be younger than us, actually. I'm not entirely sure. She's. I don't know. She's starting to look a bit older. Right. Um, yeah, she's finally... Uh, my crush is finally waning. <laughs> right. Because I'm trying to think... I mean, I've seen her in this, obviously, and in Death Proof. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she has multiple colours of hair in Scott Pilgrim. She's in... Um, she's. I mean, she's in loads of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find out how old she is. Talk about yourself, listeners. This is the... Uh, the impromptu uh, research okay. portion of the Mary, podcast. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay, completely wrong. Okay, she's born in nineteen eighty-four. Really, so twenty-nine. Holy crap! Okay. Uh, well, tw- actually, she's still twenty-eight. Well, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, on with what we liked about. Yeah. Um, Sky yeah. No, High. I thought. I mean, again, I thought she was. Re- I thought she was actually really good as a as a villain because I've only like in Death Proof, she's just kind of you know she plays. A young girl, a yeah. young actress, and in uh, Scott Pilgrim, the forty yeah. minutes that I could stand of it, she played a young girl yeah. love interest. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've seen her in anything else, mm. or maybe Final Destination, something or other. Uh, um, yeah, so it was kind of interesting seeing her in a different role, really. really? Um, yeah. Oh, one of my favourite gags was the um, the draw for the phones. When Kurt Russell gets gets angry and wants to phone the school, and he picks the phone up, and that's right. Pushes his buttons too hard and crashes it, and he just opens the drawer, and there's a whole line of other <laughs> phones. So you know it's not the first time. Yeah, that's happened. this is a regular occurrence. Yeah. Um, so I like things like that. The kind of the day to day living of a superhero. Yeah. Kind of quite fun. Um, I really liked the fight scene where Will discovers his powers mm. uh, against Warren. 
in the canteen. Yes. So I thought that's a really nice build to, mm. to him discovering his powers. And mm. it wasn't the usual superhero reveal of powers. Yeah. You know, like Iron Man or, or uh, like Spider-Man or Hulk or whatever. You've always got that scene where they go, oh, I've got my powers. Yeah, yeah. And this was done in a way where he need, like he had to have them. Otherwise, he was going to, you know, yes. get knocked senseless. Yes. Um, I also, on that, I also like the fight between him uh, and and the villain at the end before yes. it's revealed that it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. No, it must be afterwards. Is it afterwards? Or is yeah. it before or after she takes her helmet off? Well, she turns into, doesn't she? The fight starts when she turns into Royal Pain. Ah, you remember the name, and I didn't. Yeah. Um, I did. I just remember that's quite. As, there's quite a bruising. It is fight when they're throwing because, each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah after, it's after. Yeah. Like, this is a. He's smacking around the girl he fancied like 10 minutes ago. I know, yeah. And he's throwing her through tables and into walls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I did actually think that was pretty good. He, uh, Michael Angarano has uh, black belts in at least one martial art. Oh, yeah. Which is how he ended up in Forbidden Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so he he knows how to hurt people. Doesn't look like it, but he does. Yeah, I know. The other thing I quite like was the uh, the whole save a citizen scene. Yeah, which I I wrote that down as well. I think that could be made into a reality TV show, or at the very least, a video game. Yeah, yeah, but imagine if you just got like a load of uh, like uh, MMA fighters and and stuff like that, and just like your 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 task is to save that dummy going into that that into that, into the pit into yeah. the pit machine and you can do it in any way you like or you've got to team up with someone you've got to use your yeah. your skills as a martial artist or whatever to do yeah. that that would be awesome yeah that would be really good fun um yeah so that was that i mean i just overall really enjoyed it you know um i think my, it's just fun and silly and colorful is, absolutely and, yeah it's and, exactly and what you want solid. it to be yeah, yeah. Um, so many so many films for the this kind of age bracket are yeah. just nonsensical and shiny for the sake of it all about the toy marketing exactly and kind of have nothing kind of have no substance behind it and i felt this kind of has yeah there's no there's nothing deep and meaningful to it no other than you and you if you and your friends work together you can accomplish anything yeah and that kind of thing yeah but i think i think it's interesting that um one of the movies i don't i don't think it's as good as this film but uh, something I kind of equated to a bit is kind of like Small Soldiers, mm. where it's a movie that's got real substance. It's a brilliant film, but didn't quite do what it should have done when it came out and was slightly overshadowed because yeah, like, like that Small got Soldiers. trounced by Toy Story, didn't it? Or it did. Yeah, I like I like Small Soldiers. Um, it's Transformers in reverse, I think. Right. If yeah. I'm right. Yeah. The the plot is the same as Transformers, or, right. or, or with around. something flipped. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. But so it's kind of that. I had a kind of that sense about it. Is it, you know, it's it, it could have been could have been so much more, mm. but wasn't. But it's still very very good. Um, and the, like the last note I wrote down was just something. It's amazing what you can do with a guinea pig, a glow stick, and <laughs> glow stick and a puddle. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All these items combined. Yeah. Uh, I only have one funny title and no amusing reviews. Right. Okay. Um, in Germany, it was called "This High School Takes Off," <laughs> right? Because Germans don't understand things. Um, <laughs> sorry, Germany. It's a sweeping statement. Yeah, there, why not? Um, okay, who's going to pitch? I don't mind. Do you want me to pitch first? Okay. All right. Go on then. Um, I'm going to kind of combine the two movies from this week in a way, not really, but kind of. <laughs> 
Um, in the, There's a it, dead superhero in a trunk. No, there are no superheroes, but it is a very fun, silly comedy. But it's also about murder. Fun, silly comedies about murder? Yeah. Oh. Um, so I'm going to pitch you possibly one of my favourite comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pitch you Clue. Ah. Um, which I don't know what... The easiest way to explain it is it's based on the board game Cluedo. Or, as it's known in America, Clue. Clue. Exactly. Um, it was made by the guy... This I didn't know until I was doing research for the show. Okay. Is that it was directed by the guy that... One of the guys that wrote and created Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Okay. Which seems really weird. Mm. Um, it was produced by John Landis and uh, some others as well. Mm-hmm. Um and it's got a cast of people you're going to recognise, but not necessarily what you would consider. There's no A-lister in there. Right. Um, so basic, the basic premise is six guests come to a mansion and uh, they must work together to solve a murder. Mm-hmm. The whole thing's bound together by the butler, mm-hmm. uh, who's called Wadsworth, and he's played by Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your typical uh, Cluedo people you've mm-hmm. got uh, mrs peacock who plays eileen brennan which is probably not a name you'll know probably the other way around eileen brennan probably plays mrs peacock yeah i said mrs peacock who's played by eileen brennan i thought you said who plays no mm. oh maybe i did i don't know anyway I edit mrs this. peacock yeah it, mrs peacock you. is played by eileen brennan okay who again fa- uh, name you probably won't know but you might recognize the face okay kind of looks a little bit like angela lansbury okay um mrs white uh, is played by Madeleine Kahn, who's in Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Scarlet is played by Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, her, again, you might recognise her face. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Plum is played by Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Green is played by Michael McKean. Excellent. Um, and Colonel Mustard is played by a guy called Martin Mull. Again, who you might not know the mm-hmm. name, but you'll probably recognise the face. Um, what I love about it is that it's absolutely packed full of gags mm-hmm. something funny is happening all of the time in, in, in an airplane kind y- of way yes you can't take your eyes off any part Absolute, of the screen yeah. yeah but what again kind of like airplane again is that this has got humor on loads of levels mm. and sometimes it's as subtle as just a flick of the eye mm. um particularly when the uh the french maid yvette is on screen right always watch the eye line of the male cast. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's... I, I don't know. It's, it's really difficult to describe. There's some really over-the-top silly slapstick. Mm. Like, really over-the-top silly stuff. And then there's some really subtle things. There's some brilliant little one-liners and there's some great little kind of just looks and nods between people. Um, one of my favourite moments, or not say one of my favourite, but one thing that really made me laugh watching it this time around is just when uh, when Tim Cur- basically uh, Colonel Mustard arrives first. Tim Curry takes him into the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's obviously dialogue between the two talking about what's going on, and Mrs. White turns appears, and he brings. Uh, I think Colonel Mustard's talking to Yvette, and Tim Curry brings. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. White into the, into the library, mm-hmm. and just the action of him bringing her into the room is just, they've just got one of the best uh, 
kind of subtle body gags based on on the room they're in. And okay. It, there's just there's lots of time. It's very difficult to explain without giving it away. But there's lots of little things like that mm. that just really kind of, um, I don't know. There are things that just make me laugh no matter how many times I've seen. Them, okay. Even though I know they're coming and and um, yeah, it get it's. If, in a way, it feels like a slapstick stage play, mm. which I don't think it ever was, but it, it kind of has that feel to it, mm. uh, kind of like a kind of like a farce. You know those farces where you've got like people running yeah, in and out yeah, of yeah. rooms all the time. It's it's a bit like that. Um, one thing that I thought was really good about this movie when it was released was that there are three endings, right? And they sent different reels to different cinemas <laughs> so it wasn't until the vhs came out that you could see the movie with all three endings on it clever um so on the dvd that i'm gonna lend you you can actually have a function that randomizes and picks you an ending right or you can have all three okay um so it's up to you which you do okay i think um, we'll, we'll want to discuss this film in full so i think i'll probably, probably do all probably three, do yeah. All three yeah um so yeah it's it's really quite brilliant because you know and the, basically the endings are, are um the explanations of what has happened mm -hmm. um yeah so it just again i think when i fir the first time i saw this film it was when i was a kid probably sort of 10 or 11 or something like that mm -hmm. really late one night and getting ready to go to bed and like I think it was me and my mum were up, and mm. we were just thinking, right, go, go, time to go to bed. It might even have been like a Sunday night before going to school or something mm -hmm. like that. And you know when you just kind of do that final flick through the channels before yeah. you go to bed, and we happened to stop on this. Something made us laugh. Something else made us laugh, mm. and then we put a tape in the tape machine, hit record, but still stayed up and watched the whole movie. <laughs> I've done that before. Um, yeah. So it was kind of one of those moments. Yeah. And for for absolutely years, it was unavailable in the UK. Mm. Um, so all I had was this VHS copy with the front in, front cut off. It's kind of like the way I first saw uh, Jackie Chan's Police Story. Right. I recorded it off Channel Four. Yeah. My tape started late, right. and I missed the the first ten minutes. Right. Okay. Uh, so for years and years, even when I watch it now, the yeah. first reel is a complete surprise to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was kind of how I did And it wasn't until I worked at the video shop and someone traded in or wanted to trade in an old DVD, but they, they couldn't and wanted to get rid of it. But it was a US DVD mm. of Clue. Um, so I nabbed it off them. Um, <laughs> well, I bought it off them. But, yeah. um, I, and then they finally released it on DVD over here. So I've, got, I've actually got a UK copy and a US mm -hmm. copy of the DVD, but I shall bring one in. Because I forgot today, um, but yeah, I, I again, I I love this movie, and it is over the top and silly in places. But I'm pretty certain that you will laugh out loud at at least one point. I'm sure. Marvelous. Um, well, as ever, I have a quite a different film. Um, a small uh, independent film starring someone who has uh, shown up a few times on this show. Okay, uh, Jason Siegel is your lead. All right. Uh, who we've already discussed in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and I <laughs> yep. Love You Man. Yeah. Uh, the film is Jeff Who Lives at Home. Oh, yeah. Him and Jason Sudeikis. No. Is it Jason Him Sudeikis? and Ed Helms. Ed Helms. I knew it was one of those explain. two. I find those quite interchangeable, those two. Jeff has a philosophy. Right. Everyone and everything is interconnected in this universe. Stay pure of heart and you will see the signs. Follow the signs and you will uncover your destiny. Right. That's your opening title card. Okay. Um, Susan Sarandon plays a woman called Sharon 
She's an office worker with two sons. Pat, who's a moderately successful businessman, but a bit of, but a bit of a dick. Right. And that's Ed Helms. Yeah. And Jeff, who lives at home, mm. played by Jason Siegel. And one day, Jeff, fresh off a bong hit, uh, right. receives a mysterious phone call from a man called Kevin, and then one from his mum asking him to run an errand for her. Right. When he goes out on the errand, he spots a Kevin on the bus, and believing this to be fate, decides to follow him and see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Right. Meanwhile, Pat's marriage is in jeopardy, right. and Sharon has a secret admirer in the office. Okay. And those are your, your three-story strands. Okay. Um, I like this because uh, I've now watched it twice. Right. Uh, and the first time I was watching it thinking... This is okay. This is okay. Oh, I like that. That's funny. This is okay. Uh, and then it got to the end, and I loved it. Okay. Um, the end. The end pulls it all together. Right. Uh, and I really, I really like this now. Yeah. I like. I liked it much more the second time around. I oh, think. Interesting. Okay. Uh, which is a theory posited by the film itself near the beginning. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I really like Ed Helms' performance in this. Right. Okay. Because the only I've seen him obviously in The Hangover. The the first, I didn't watch The Hangover. But yeah. The first he's a one. he's a mainstay of the US version of The Office. He's done. Like, yeah. I've seen him in a that. few other things as yeah. well. Uh, I think. I generally I generally like him. I'm trying yeah. to remember if he's one who came up through the Daily Show or not. Um, wasn't he? But uh, was he? He wasn't on Saturday Night Live, was he? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, I love his performance. I love the chemistry between him and Siegel in the scenes they're together in. Uh, there is one long section in the middle um, where they are attempting to spy on people, right? Uh, which has just a whole series of uh, hysterical gags in it. Okay. Um, and the whole uh, there's a car crash scene and the, the whole explanation of the car crash and all around that I think is really funny as well. Okay. Um, like I said, I like the ending. I like the the climactic scene. I think is really good. Uh-huh. Um, I like um, Susan Sarandon's story. Because uh, I think that's just very sweet. Just overall, it's it's funny. It's nice. And the best way I can describe it is it will put a smile on your heart. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Intriguing. Yeah. It's just um. It's just quite quite lovely. Um. I don't think there's anybody else in it of note. Uh. I see. I I remember seeing the trailer for this when it came out, actually, mm. and and thinking at thinking at the time that it looked like it was obvious that it's a comedy, but in a very different way to the other Jason Segel movies yes, that have come out. Absolutely. And I I th- I, I kind of got the impression it would suffer because the wrong like the wrong people would see it. If you know what I mean. So people will go yeah. go in expecting. I love mm. you, man. I'll forget Sarah Marshall, and it would be a bit more indie than that, and a bit yes, more. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not. It's nothing like as mainstream in that as that. Yeah. It's written and directed by the guys who wrote and directed uh, Safety Not Guaranteed recently. Oh right, okay, which yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't got around to seeing yet. No, I haven't. Uh, but want to. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, it is. It is a small. It's a small indie film. Right. Um, and yeah, it definitely shouldn't be. It's I. There are sections of it I find very very funny. Right. Uh, but it doesn't. It's much gentler than yeah uh, it, i mean it's a I comedy in the or... same sense as things like little miss sunshine are a comedy maybe yeah. not quite as dark as that in well i would and, imagine yeah no. like I said, i'm basing this all on the trailer uh seen. no i don't think i don't think it's quite as dark as that uh, and i was actually thinking while i was watching it if you took out all the swearing yeah it would be a pg film right okay. uh it's only the preponderance of f words yeah which do actually in places do make it much funnier yeah um uh that kind of yeah stops it being for everybody okay um, I don't really have. Once one of those, I don't really have many notes. It's no, like yeah. that plot synopsis is yeah. half my notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just ended up 
watching and enjoying it. Like I said, there's a, there's a huge section in the middle that mm. uh, that I really I really enjoy. Okay, awesome. That's good. So we've got two comedies next week. We then. do have uh, comedies next week. We've got a big, broad, over-the-top silly one and a kind of a smaller, indie offbeat. Yeah. Nice. You can find us on Twitter, at HYS Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, as Trevor did, with his handy little review of Rope to help us along. Facebook.com slash Have You Seen Podcast. We have a blog at HaveYouSeen.net and an email connected to that blog, which is podcast at HaveYouSeen.net. Mm-hmm. And you can use that to send us reviews and pitches and any tidbits you think we might like. Um, our uh, our technical uh, wizard uh, posted a little thing on our, our Facebook wall recently uh, explaining the how various different time travel movies work. Right. It's, it's a, fl- a time travel movie flowchart. Awesome. Uh, explaining di- different types of time travel in different films. Right. I haven't seen that. It's, uh, it's, worth having. it's, a really, it's a really handy little infographic. Awesome, okay. Um, Things we like. We like uh, shares and likes on Facebook, uh, particularly of new show posts. They're very handy. Yeah. Uh, if you like us, um, share us with your friends, and then they might like us and listen to us. Um, and we don't make any money out of this. We just, I just want to see our stats go up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We do this purely for our own entertainment, really. Yes. And, well, hopefully yours, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, we like retweets on Twitter, especially of uh, new show posts again. Mm-hmm. Um, we like reviews and ratings on iTunes. They help keep us visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and occasionally, every now and again, we pop into the new and noteworthy section, which kind of pushes us towards the front page a little bit more, Yeah, which, again, means more people will find us. Uh, we have been listened to in 76 countries, I have discovered. That's pretty awesome. Yes, including uh, there was one just little pointer out in the middle of nowhere on our map. I'm like, what the oh. hell is that? And I scrolled in and scrolled in, zoomed in and zoomed in and zoomed in, and we have one one listener in Guam. Nice. So hello, listener in Guam. That's fantastic. Um uh, and we also like your pitches for new films or reviews of stuff we've covered, uh-huh. and they can be uh, they can be sent to us by the methods we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, as always, to all of you for listening, especially if you've done any of those things, like sent us pitches or retweeted, yeah, or yeah. every little helps. Yeah, we've That's had a, some. Uh, yeah, we've had some great correspondence. We have. Uh, thank you to Upbeat Productions for the use of the studio and the mm-hmm. new dangly equipment. Yeah. And thanks, of course, to Alexia Mom for the technical expertise and posting the time travel infographic. Yes. We're done, I think. Uh-huh. It's time for us to go home. Yep. Uh, next week, it's comedies. Jeff, who lives at home, and Clue. Yes. Uh, and we shall, uh, we shall see you then. Bye. That's a really shit outro, wasn't it? (laughs) See you then. (laughs)